Hi friends, I'm Jenny, host of the Pause Renew Next podcast, and I am so glad that you joined me here today. I'm a wife, mom, blogger, podcaster, and licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I absolutely love authentic conversation. On any given Pause Renew Next podcast episode, you can expect to hear themes of soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. So if you love listening in on lively conversations about topics that matter, this podcast is for you. If you're pursuing growth in your walk with Jesus, then this podcast is for you. If you're lonely and you need a safe space to rest and find renewal, then friend, this podcast is for you. And if you're pursuing your own soul care in this season, then this podcast is for you. Welcome. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. Well, you guys, this podcast episode was a lot of fun for me. I got to talk to a new friend, Katie Pounder, who just released her debut novel called The Sewing Season in October. Now, Katie and I became friends on Twitter, and she's been one of my favorite Twitter friends. Um, I think, actually, I told her, I think we might be kindred spirits because we seem to have a lot in common. We both have multiple children, we've both been foster and adoptive moms, and we both love a good story. Now, unlike Katie, I don't think I can tell a good story, but she sure can. This novel was a lot of fun to read, and I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation about it today. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Katie, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm Katie Pounder, the author of The Sewing Season, which released on October 13th from Bethany House Publishers. Yeah. And honestly, you are my first fiction writer I've had on the podcast. So oh, I'm fabulous. really excited. Yeah. Yay. I've talked to quite a few authors, but Christian authors, but a lot of... Um, Nonfiction. Nonfiction. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So this is kind of a treat. I'm really excited. So can you share a little bit about how your book came to be? Like, what is the story of how you became an author and how the sewing season came to be? Well, I mean, the story goes all the way back to when I was little because I have always wanted to be a writer. It's all I've ever wanted to be. Um, I never really set my sights on any other goal. It's like really has been a lifelong goal for me. And uh, my grandma was a real big influence in that because she, she was just a real storyteller. She was always telling stories and kind of um, making up little things and little poems. And I remember one time we would all, we would go all go camping every summer and we were all at this big camp out and she and I to uh, came up with this whole big thing called where oh where is my underwear and it was all about because it was like the last day of camp and nobody had any clean clothes and um just so she was kind of my uh partner in that kind of thing she was like my storytelling uh buddy growing up and so um I always have been writing stories but then after you know, college, I got married and started having kids. And so obviously a lot of that got put on the back burner and I didn't think, um, I still, it was still my goal, but I 
figured this is going to be something I'll do like when I when my kids are grown, when they're out of the house, this is something that I'll I'll get back to. I was like I'm not going I'm not giving it up, you know, but I have to, I'm going to have to wait. And I I thought that was true. <laughs> I believed that and I was okay with that. Um but then uh it was about 6 years ago I had a couple scenes in my head that I just needed to write down because they wouldn't leave me alone. So I wrote them down. And next thing I knew, I had written my first novel. And it was, it, it was pretty terrible. I mean, it was my first, my first full, like complete length uh, novel. Uh, but I was like, how did, how did I do that? I can't believe I did that. Um, so then that book I entered it into a couple contests and 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 did well with it. Um, got some encouragement from an agent um, who they didn't sign me, but they were encouraging. So then I thought, well, I'm going to write another book. <laughs> um, and of course, I was talking with my husband about it at the time too, because I'm like, you know, should I really be doing this? And he's like, let's just let's just see what happens. He's like, you know, let's just keep moving forward and let's see what ha- what happens and maybe. It's not going to work. Um, but if you feel like, you know, you can, you know, if you feel like doors are opening, then let's just keep going. So I wrote another book. Um, it got rejected by agents, but did well in contests again. So I wrote another book. <laughs> and <laughs> wow. so by that, so then I have three complete novels. Um then that one did well in contests also, was like a finalist in Genesis contest, which is a big one, still was being rejected by agents. Uh, and so, you know, I had the same conversation again with my husband. Should I keep doing this? Is there a point in doing this? I wasn't planning to be doing this. And he said the same answer, basically like, well, let's just keep walking forward and see, you know, so I wrote a fourth novel. Um, well, that novel did land me an agent. It got rejected by every publisher you can dream um, dream of, but it got me my agent, who then encouraged me to write a fifth book, which is The Sewing Season. Wow. So The Sewing Season is my fifth completed novel. Um, and so it was a, a long journey, but like every time that I would, you know, finish something and get a rejection some other door would would open there would be some other thing that would be like okay maybe i'm not done okay maybe i'm not done and i would keep going and then here i am now that's amazing okay wait a minute so if i'm doing the math right was that five books in six years that you wrote i wrote one book a year yep that's amazing i actually wrote six in six years because my sixth one is finished and turned in and it's coming out next year <gasps> Well, so congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's exciting. Um, so we were talking about right before this that we have a lot in common. Now, I'm not a writer and I don't even, well, I'm not a novel writer. Let's say that. Um, but my husband has a similar dialogue with me pretty frequently <laughs> about, <laughs> about doing this podcast because I'm like, I don't know. Do you think that I should continue? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be doing as well as I thought. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus, did you really want me to continue doing this? So, yeah. So that's a familiar that's conversation good. for you. You, yeah. And I don't know how many times we've had that conversation. And 
And I don't know how many times God has just opened a little door or had a little, you know, prodding for something that sent me in in a direction or just kept me moving forward just enough that then something else happened. Mm-hmm. And it just it just kept happening that way until we got to where we are. And even now I'm like, okay, now do I start another book? Do I start my seventh book? You know, like should I? Um, and it's kind of the same thing. Like we're just we'll we're taking baby steps forward, trusting the Lord and trusting that he can close doors. Like he can make it known if okay, we're done with this now. Or, okay, we need to wait now. Like, he, he's more than capable of making that clear. So that is a great way of thinking about it. Like, one step at a time, one step at a time. Um, I do think, I, I was not expecting that whole story, honestly. I thought this was your first book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that's really important for listeners to think about, including myself, because I just recently heard another author say, uh, I didn't write my first book until I was, I think this person was 47 years old. Okay. And so a lot of times people think like you're a success and it wasn't an overnight thing, but usually mm-hmm. there's a lot of work behind the scenes. And so right. Right. that's what you're saying. Like there was a lot of work. There behind. was a lot of work. There was a lot of work that, you know, nobody will probably ever see those other books. Um, that was hours and hours and days and months of time that I put in that, on one hand went nowhere, but on the other hand, um, propelled me toward my goal. And yeah. so I, I prefer to think of it that way. So let's talk about the sewing season for a second. Okay. <laughs> I just want to tell you, there were so many great one-liners in your book oh. <laughs> and I didn't write all of them down because I was in the middle of reading, but, um, one of my favorite ones was your very first line. So I just want to read it first. <laughs> Cow manure spewed from the burst pipe and rained down on him like retribution. That's <laughs> the best line ever to start. With. <laughs> um, I'm kind of wondered about fiction writers, about how the stories come, come to you, because I just don't go around with characters in my head bouncing around. And so you kind of just said that a little bit ago, like there was a story that popped into your head and you had to get it down on paper. Can you talk about how this story came up in your mind and how you dreamt up your characters? Yeah, well, this story specifically is um, very personal because I grew up on a dairy farm. Um, So I come from a farming family and I have, like my dad then was a farmer and and my uncles and my grandpa all worked on the farm together. Um, So as far as Garrett from the book he really, he really is kind of a composite of like my own family and other farmers that I know that um, have done that their whole life and put their life into that. So it wasn't, it wasn't very hard for me to find that story because we, I grew up with that. Um, My own family is going, has gone through that. Like, Oh, they sold the farm and what do we do now? And I also live in a farming community here in Montana. Um, so, so it's kind of happening around me all the time. People are selling their farm or retiring or kind of being forced out. You know, there's lots of different situations. And then they're like, well, what do I do now? Like, what am I, what am I, if I'm not a farmer, like, who am I? And so it really, it really all started with that question. Like, if I'm not a farmer, who am I? And that's kind of where it started. And then 
it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I, I had all the characters in my mind when I started writing. Um, I had the idea of like w- that I wanted this man to uh, rediscover his life, and I knew I wanted that in the story. But then all the other things, like other fun characters that pop up, they didn't come until. I had already until I was going, I was writing and, and then they would show up one day and <laughs> surprise that, me. <laughs> that's fascinating. My grandpa's a dairy farmer too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. Okay, so one character I want to talk to you about, and I've heard you talk about this character just a little bit before, is the rooster in your <laughs> book, Bernard. So you have chickens too, right? Yep, we have chickens at your house. Yeah. So was Bernard patterned after anybody in particular? He's quite the rooster. Well, I don't, if anyone ever has actually been around roosters, they would know that he's a fairly typical rooster. Just they're, they're very ornery. They're very aggressive, um, kind of unpredictable. And they're kind of scary, even though, you know, they're not a very large animal, but they're kind of scary. Um, and so to me, he just was a really great foil for, for Garrett, who was also kind of ornery. rough around the edges and ornery and, you know, so I just felt like they made a good team. Yeah, they definitely did. So I grew up reading Christian novels and I have made the rounds with a lot of authors. And to be honest, there's kind of a formula oftentimes, it seems like, you know, like romance yep. and you meet the sweet man, whatever. And right. yours does not follow that at all. <laughs> right. It was really right. refreshing. It's not really a romance. I mean, there is a little romance in it, but it's really not a romance. It's like right. this bigger picture and it kind of encompasses humanity in different ages. So I want to throw that out there for the listeners as a hook. Like, go check out this book. Thank it's you. not what yeah. you're expecting. And, that, and it's really and- fun. And I, I honestly, that's just the greatest compliment I could receive because that really was something that I wanted was to have, to, to be unique, um, and to not, I, I just not, I'm not really inspired by the, those kind of formulas or by romance books. That's just not, um, where my passion is. And so I wanted to really do something else. So because you're a mom of quite a few children, right, in your house, <laughs> I'm wondering, realistically, what does your writing process look like? I mean, when do you have right. time to write? <laughs> right. Because how did I write six books in six years, right? Yeah. You know, it's it takes it takes a village kind of in this sense. Uh, my family has to be on board with this, too, because otherwise... Um, if they can't, you know, if they're not going to be, um, respecting my time when I'm working and stuff, there's just no way, you know, if they're not going to be helping make dinner or things like that, there's just no way. Um, and so I'm really thankful for them that they are on board with it and they, they want, you know, they want me to succeed. They want to help. Um, I mean, it's still really hard, especially like with the baby. Um, right now we have an 11 month old foster baby. And so, it's like he takes a morning nap and an afternoon nap. Well, morning time is homeschool. So basically I have one afternoon nap a day where I can work. And so I feel like I I pray a lot about it and and God, you know, it's up to him then whether he wants 
if he wants me to be pursuing this, he's going to make the most of that small time that I have. Um, because if, if he wasn't with me and he wasn't, if it wasn't his plan, I could have all day, every day to write and it still wouldn't be effective. Yeah. So if he is working with me, then even the small bits here and there are going to be more effective than days on end of time, if that makes yeah. sense. It it completely makes sense. I relate with that a lot, actually. So I, I think that's a beautiful way of thinking about it and probably not the typical way of thinking about it, but I think you're exactly <laughs> right. It's kind of interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day about I had my first baby when I was in graduate school and I would write my papers for graduate school when he was asleep. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, wow, that seems hard. And I was like, no, actually, it was beautiful because I knew I had from this time to this time because yep. this is the amount of time he slept to get my work done. And that helped me be more effective with the rest of my day, too, right. to some extent. So it really it does help you focus because I if I have a list of uh, to do list, I know I have to complete that list by whatever time he's going down for his nap otherwise you know and and then it it helps you just stay focused on and prioritize prioritize Mm -hmm. your time and so if this is important to me I'm gonna do that and you know if it if it wasn't important to me um then there's no way that those two hours a day and not even every day would ever produce a book well Katie, that's really encouraging to me because there's some beautiful fruit in your book. So the fact that you were able to do that on two hours a day, maybe two hours a day, definitely tells me that God was in on it. So that's good. Um, So let's talk about your real life for a second. You mentioned that you do foster care. Mm -hmm. How did your family get into foster care? Um, You know, when uh, after our first son was born, I was not getting pregnant again very quickly. And so we, and we wanted him to have a sibling. So we looked into foster care and we started the training and stuff just to kind of check it out. And, you know, we got the paperwork and we're just kind of checking it out. And before we could really decide what to do or move forward with that, um, I got pregnant again. (laughs) So of course we set that all aside. I had my second son. and he was born. And then after he was a year or two old, we, we were like, okay, well, let's, let's revisit, let's revisit that. Um, and then, you know, God, God always knows what he's doing because by the time then those couple of years had passed, he had really changed our perspective and our hearts to see that we weren't actually ready for foster care. Um, we were still wanting to grow our own family which means adoption because foster care is not about growing your own family. Right. It's about helping reunify other families. And so we kind of realized that's, we weren't there. We weren't there. We were building our own family. And so then that's when we decided we were actually going to adopt. Um, so, cause then I was not getting pregnant again. And so we actually pursued an international adoption. Um, so that process took about five years total from start to finish and we adopted my daughter. And so uh, she was one and a half when, when she came home. And then it took, then a, about a year after that is when we were like, now is, now is it time, you know, now is it time to, to do that? Because 
we we felt really complete once she was home and so we then felt that renewed call of like okay i think now now lord now is it time now are we ready to face what foster care is because that's a totally different thing than than adoption right um and so we went back to the the training and the paperwork to revisit it and we felt really led toward that and we felt like we were really ready to support other families um we felt like we had our family and we were so blessed and that we were ready to help other families at that point that is really really beautiful i love that so have you guys been doing foster care for very long um it's been let's see probably it uh, close to five years almost okay so so quite a while yeah. So you've had quite a few children in and out of your home. We have probably about probably about twelve to fifteen kids because wow. some of, some of them have been pretty long term placements, um, and then others have been you know just a weekend maybe. So it's it varies a lot, but probably about twelve to fifteen kids I would say. That's really cool. So I want to ask you about red shoes. Because your tagline is good news and red shoes, right? And you love... Red, red shoes and good news, yeah. <laughs> okay, I got it backwards, yeah. sorry. Yeah, tell me about the red shoes. Yeah, the red shoes, you know, that goes back to my grandma as well. My storytelling grandma, um, she stories were her thing, but red shoes were also her thing. She had the the red converse and she would buy all of us the all-stars, red all-stars, and make us wear them and like line up tall to small with her shoes oh. on to get like family pictures and stuff. And so I grew up with that. And so then when my son was born, uh, she was still around at that point. And so she bought him this tiny little pair of red all-stars. They're like, you know, just like tiny little, so adorable. Um, and so to continue the tradition, um, but then not long after that, she passed away. But so she... So I kind of wanted to keep the tradition going um, because I had all my red shoes and then he had his little pair and I I wanted to kind of keep that going. I I kept buying the red shoes and and then when I needed to come up with a tagline for for my author persona, um, I felt like that would kind of be a tribute to her. It would honor her as somebody who not only, you know, did the red shoes thing and sparked that love but also was the person who was the original storyteller in my life. So that's, that's where that really cool. From. Yeah. Man, what a cool grandma. <laughs> she was, she was really cool. Yeah. She was a really cool grandma and I, yeah, I miss her. And I wish that she could have seen uh, this day where my book came out. Like that would have been a really big deal for her. Mm-hmm. She would have loved that. So. Mm-hmm. So for each of my guests this season, I'm trying to talk a little bit more about soul care. That's kind of been one of my taglines for the whole podcast since I started it, but I haven't always talked to guests about it. But now I'm trying to do more of that, partly because we're in quarantine, partly because I'm a counselor and it's kind of an important thing, especially for women and moms. We don't put ourselves as a priority a lot of times. So I talk about soul care rather than self-care because really the whole self And I just like the term a little bit more. So for you in this season, as a writer, as a foster mom, as a, as a mom, period, and homeschooling some of your children and all those things, what does soul care look like? What are some of the things that you do 
for yourself right now. And it sounds even just you listing all those things makes me be like, makes me feel tired. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's a lot of responsibility. And that's just a lot of chaos. And that's, you know, just even hearing you say that kind of makes me tense up a little bit. (laughs) Cause it's a lot. It is. It's a lot. Um, you know, but it's like, you have to, I, I think for me, I have to pray a lot about asking God to show me which are the, which are the things that I should be spending my time on and, and which things I should not, um, because there is no extra time. I don't have extra time and I don't have me time or whatever that doesn't exist right now at this stage that I'm in. And so I guess it all, I think for soul care, that starts definitely with prayer of just like asking God to show me like, how, how am I going to manage all this? Like you've given me these kids, you've given me this career, you've given me these things. And that's pretty clear, like that you've, that you've done that. So you must want me to do something with them (laughs) because you gave them to me. So what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do with them? And what is, and, and whatever's not on that list um, it has to go on the back burner. It just has to. And so prioritizing time like that, um, is probably the first step, but then I, I spend a lot of time going for walks, going for walks is kind of my, um, de-stressor and, and my getaway time because I, I'm like a speed walker, I walk, power walker. So I walk really fast. So my kids don't, it's not like, I'm, it's not like I'm bringing my kids with me or anything. I might have the stroller, you know, I might be pushing a stroller, but my kids are not with me. They're not coming along on my walks because they can't keep up. So it's kind of like, that's a personal I need to time. pick up that trick. <laughs> yeah. If you walk really fast, then they can't keep up with you. And so then, you know, then you, that really clears your mind. You have just that kind of quiet clear your mind kind of time. And I do a lot of praying at those times because there's not anyone interrupting. Um, Interruptions obviously are a big hindrance to prayer time during just the normal day time. And there's so many interruptions. So when you're out on a walk, uh, they're just, they're really, there aren't, especially, you know, I don't have my smartphone. I don't have a smartphone or anything like that. So there's just nothing, uh, there's no distraction. So I think walks are a big deal to me. Um, yeah. And just, we, you know, we, we are still attending church. I know a lot of, some churches, you know, aren't meeting in person. Some are, some are, we have a pretty small church, so we are still meeting uh, in person on Sundays, which has been good because, um, that isolation from the the family of God is a really hard thing to deal with during quarantine. Mm-hmm. And so that's been nice to just still, you know, we did have, there was maybe two months where we weren't allowed to meet, um, kind of during that May, that first thing. And that was just, it felt so strange to not have, you know, your family, those are your, those people are your family and to not be able to see them or talk to them. And that was hard, you know? Yeah. Um, so we definitely, we make that a priority to attend church, um, when it's open, <laughs> which obviously it isn't always, which we took, I think we took for granted, you know, that yeah. it was always going to be there and then it wasn't for a little while and that was hard. Um, and so I think those are, I don't know if that answers your question, but soul care is a great concept. Like I love that phrase. Um, and I do prefer it to self care also, because it's not really about self, um, right? Self care is like, how do I make myself feel good? 
um, soul care is, you know, how do I prepare myself to continue serving the Lord effectively? Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it requires different preparations, I think, from yes. each other. Yes. And yes, you answered that question beautifully. That was really helpful. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I also love to ask each guest if you have a favorite scripture passage or if there's a particular verse that's speaking to you in this season. Well, ironically, my favorite passage is actually the passage that's in the sowing season, um, which that was not an accident. Um, it's just it's a verse that means so much to me and has for many years. So it, it did not surprise me at all when that showed up in my story. And that's just from you know Galatians 6, 9 of let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, and the verses prior to, there's a whole, there's a whole section there, like seven through 10 that are really, that I love, but that one is the specific verse that's in the book. But that whole section just talks about like sowing and reaping. It says, you know, if you sow to please the flesh, you reap destruction. If you sow to please the spirit, you reap eternal life. And so that whole idea of sowing and reaping is definitely a part of the, my book um, mm-hmm. and that story. And then the verse specifically about like, do not become weary in doing good. Um, I, I just, I've for years and years have really clung to that verse because, uh, because you do get weary in doing good. <laughs> you do get weary in doing, you know, and as a mom, you know, being doing all the good mom stuff uh, as a, as a Christian, as a wife, as a church goer. And my husband was a youth pastor for 15 years. And so as a pastor's wife, you do get weary in doing good in doing all the things that, you know, and so that verse has been really important to me uh, because he said, because it says like, not just don't give up, keep going, do good. But then it says, so that, you know, you will reap a harvest. And so it gives yeah. the reason, the reason why you keep doing good. And so if you have the reason, I think that that helps me keep moving forward rather than just, you just have to do good. You need to do good and do more and do it all um, because it's expected of you or whatever. Like that's not a good reason for me. Like that doesn't motivate me. Uh, but this verse provides that reason. Why are we doing this? It's because there's a harvest. Um, God promises a harvest and it mm-hmm. might, it might not be till long in the future, but he promises that it, it will come. Yeah, that's such a beautiful promise. Um, I was just actually at a little tiny mom's conference, social distanced with just a few (laughs) of us (laughs) at my church this weekend. And we were talking about that. I think I even actually used those words, do not grow weary and doing good. And I feel like this year has been particularly hard with that because I really like getting good feedback and there hasn't been a lot of that. Okay, partly because yep. they're just having people around, you know, right. partly because everything's been over the internet and that's not the same as being <laughs> in yeah, person. Definitely not the same. <laughs> partly because it's just been a hard year, but it has been for my kids too and my teenagers and everything. And so there's yeah. not a lot of good feedback for being a mom, you know, like right. they're not appreciative of the meal that I cooked. They're like, <laughs> right. this is gross, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All the areas of life, I think it's easy to become weary. Weary is a really good word. Like, like, why am I doing this? What's the point? You know, like, it's hard to keep going. And so with that, especially if you don't have that that reason. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes the harvest may look different too than what we're expecting. It may not look like a compliment, but the fruit of the spirit isn't always that way, but it's beautiful when it comes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a great verse. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else, Katie, that you wanted to say on the podcast or anything else about your book that you wanted to share that I didn't ask you? Um, Well, that's a great question. I think, you know, one thing that I like to talk about with regard to my book is just the idea of farmers and how I, I think a lot of people don't realize how important family farms are to our country and how big of a part, how big of a role they play in our agricultural economy. Um, people, I think, assume that there's uh, mostly corporate farms, maybe, you know, supplying our food. But 96% of the farms in America are actually family farms, not corporate farms. And so it's just something I thought a lot about while I was writing because of Garrett and he had to sell his farm and... um I live in a farming community and it's just a constant struggle. You know, farming is not like an easy life <laughs> and it's not a lucrative business by any means. Um, but those people are feeding, are feeding the world. Like they're feeding mm-hmm. all of us. And so I like to joke that, you know, there's the game of six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, I like to joke about the six degrees of like the family farm. Like we're not, none of us are more than six degrees separated from a family farm. Either we know somebody who was a farmer or our grandpa was a farmer or, you know, our neighbor is a farmer or whatever. Um, And so I just like to remind people to that, you know, that the family farm is important and to not take it for granted and to support them as much as we can. So I just wanted to make that point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely didn't see that coming, but I'm so glad that you did. <laughs> I actually, my uh, parents-in-law, well, we ha- we live on farmland. We're not actually farmers, but like they have cows in the back field that they sell for meat and things like that. And it's, yeah. and we have a big garden and it's, I think something that people are sometimes removed from the actual process of right. seeing the food come. But if you want to support local farms, what, what are the best ways to do that? I think sometimes yeah. maybe people don't even know what that means or how they could do yeah. that. I mean, and it really depends on where you live because, you know, in, in some areas they do have like a local farmer's market, you know, or a farmer's co-op um, or like here where I live, you can buy a share in a garden and they, so then they'll have their like acre garden and then they'll deliver produce to you from the garden if you buy a share from it. Um, but obviously not, not, that's not available everywhere, obviously. Um, but you can pay attention to just the brands that you buy. Um, and also not, I think people, they don't, they don't want to pay, you know, they don't want to pay, oh, beef costs three ninety nine a pound and that's so expensive or something. Um, farmers, they only earn back like 35 cents on the dollar of what they invest in, producing the food that we all rely on and so just even just to kind of not begrudge the price of produce or meat or milk um i think is a big step just in changing people's attitudes towards towards the food that they eat (laughs) yeah that's a really great point so back to your book i'm gonna end at full circle (laughs) if people want to know more about you or they want to find your book where are the places that they should be looking 
That is a good question. Um, katiepowner.com is my personal website, and that will have links then to all my other um, online places like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, which I'm on all of those. And I, I, I do love all of those. Um, you have to be careful with them and with the way they suck up your time, but I do enjoy them. And I love meeting yeah. people on social media, people like you and um, connecting with people. I do love that. And so if you go to my website, katiepounder.com, you can uh, link to all of those accounts as well um, and find me there and we can connect. Awesome. Okay. And the sewing season is through Bethany House. So I assume it's in like major places, Amazon, but are, can you buy it in bookstores? It's, it should be in most major bookstores, um, you know, Barnes and Noble or, and, uh, there's not a whole lot of chain bookstores out there anymore. <laughs> um, that's true. you know, so, so it'll be more, maybe whatever's, whatever you have locally, if it's not there, you can easily request it. Um, cause it should be easily orderable from Bethany. They make that really easy. So you can request it from your library or from your local bookstore if it's not there already. Um, but it's also on Amazon or a Baker bookstore online and things like that. Books a million, those kinds of places. So random question. Have you seen it out in the wild yet? Like have I you have been not. to the bookstore and seen it? No, I haven't. Um, because I, I've, ha I've had other people tell me they've seen it okay. uh, at their stores. Um, and I've even had a couple of people send me pictures and which is super cool. But I that personally, is. like, there's only one, I, we live in a small town in the kind of the boonies. And so we don't have a bookstore at all here. Um, so the, the next town that would have one, which is about 30 minutes away, uh, I haven't been able to go there because I've been on quarantine for the last three weeks. So I'm hoping that when I do go there, that. I will see it. I will actually get to see it on the shelf and take a picture for myself. So, well, I hope you get to soon. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's got to be kind of surreal to get pictures from other people of your yeah. book. That's so it's fun. really cool. But I'm like, but I, I want to, I just, I want to like go to the shelf, you know, with my own two hands and like take it off the shelf and like see it and hold yeah. it. <laughs> Hopefully well, soon. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. And um, since your quarantine is over as of today, like I kind of get to celebrate with you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Even yay. though I only though I only went to my basement for this, I didn't get to go yeah. anywhere else. But North Carolina but... would have been a long way to go. So it's a good thing we need <laughs> <laughs> oh. this way instead. All right. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. It was fun. Well, friends, if you need a good, fun, encouraging read, go check out Katie's new book, The Sewing Season. Thanks again, Katie, for being on today's podcast episode. It was super fun to connect with you. If you want to know more about Katie and what she's up to, check out her website, katiepowner.com. I'll link to it in today's show notes. You can also find her on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find me on all the socials as well at Pause Renew Next on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Well, if something from today's podcast episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear about it. Please comment under today's show notes or join the conversation on PRN's Facebook page. 
Oh, and also you can share this episode. That's super, super helpful. If you like any of these episodes, please, please share them with your friends. Well, that is all for today's podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.